the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is just one small, very brief statement in the Bible, but it is a statement of colossal importance because from this point on, life will never be the same for Adam and Eve or for any of us as their descendants. Sin has now entered the human race, and it will start to pollute and corrupt everything, including and especially the highest of all human relationships, marriage. She took from its fruit and ate. And I would think Eve had no idea the damage she and Adam would do to their offspring down through the ages to this very day. She ate it, she gave it to her husband, and he ate and they brought death to the world through disobedience to God. The self-centered attitude they showed when they wanted to be as wise as God is the same attitude that we have inherited from them, and it's the same attitude that damages and destroys marriages that God designed to be the most wonderful relationships. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will be continuing our study of the biblical marriage. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book, there are lots of talking animals. So when young Mowgli encounters the giant snake Ka, he isn't surprised when the snake speaks to him. But instead of running, he engages in conversation with the snake and almost dies. When Eve encountered the Satan-possessed snake in the garden, she didn't fare as well. And we're given no clue why she wasn't surprised that a snake would speak to her. At any rate, the snake asked her a question and drew her into a conversation she must have regretted for the rest of her life. The snake said, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? She took the bait, and Satan had her right where he wanted her. Let's see what we can learn from this disastrous turn of events. Here's Pastor Steve to help us discover how we can avoid the trap Eve fell for and protect our marriages. But regardless of of why she wasn't shocked by carrying on this conversation with the snake, we do know that she should have never responded to Satan. Not this way, and neither should you. See, whenever you entertain satanically inspired thoughts by going back and forth in your mind with these thoughts, you're really having a dialogue with the devil, and you will always come out on the losing end. Why? Because you and I are no match for him. He's brilliant. He's brighter than us. And he's a liar. And he's a deceptive liar. He will sometimes give you half-truths that will confuse you. And he's out to destroy you. 1 Peter chapter 5, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. He wants to devour you spiritually. He wants to make you ineffective spiritually. Keep in mind, Eve, at this point in her life, she had not sinned. She has an unfallen mind. And yet, 
She's on her way to being defeated by the devil and lured into sin. How much more are we susceptible to his temptations? Because we do have fallen minds. We have minds that have been corrupted by sin. We are fallen, sinful creatures. So how much more are we susceptible to his lies? And he is so deceptive. Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he often comes to us looking good, disguised as an angel of light. So what should Eve have done when Satan tempted her to doubt God's love and goodness? She should have immediately submitted herself to God and to his word. He already had spoken the word to her. She should have affirmed her trust in God by not dialoguing with the devil and entertaining his doubts. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You resist him how? By submitting to God, submitting to his word. See, the more you entertain doubt, the more inclined you are to fall into sin by believing the devil's lies. But thank God we are not helpless victims to Satan's temptations because God has told us how to resist the devil. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I read this earlier just for this reason because in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says that when you are attacked, you are to take on, even before you're attacked, you are to be wearing God's armor. He's given you protection for the day of battle. He's given you spiritual armor. He compares in Ephesians chapter 6, he compares our spiritual armor to the armor of a first century Roman soldier. As he explains that this is how we can protect ourselves from the onslaughts of the devil. He tells us about living in a godly manner. Now keep this in mind. When Paul wrote this, he was in prison. It may very well have been that he's looking with parchment before him and a writing tool. He's looking at a Roman soldier guarding him, and he may very well be looking up and writing down the various pieces of armor and saying that's exactly what God provides for us. So we begin in verse 10 where he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full, notice the full armor of God, so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He doesn't want any part exposed, just like a Roman soldier It's not going to expose a part of him in battle because then he's very vulnerable. For our struggle, he says, it's not against flesh and blood. Now, you may think that you are struggling with another human being, but behind that is satanic warfare. We struggle, he says, against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. These are probably orders of fallen angelic beings in their own ranking. Therefore, he says, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. What is the evil day? I don't think Paul means some prophetic day in the future. I think he means any day that you're attacked is the evil day. May very well be today. Today. So he goes through and explains, starting in verse 14, what pieces of armor we need to be dressed in But he says in verse 16, and this is what I want you to see, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. One of the pieces of armor that we have is the shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? It is our trust in God and his word and by that shield of faith, by confidence in scripture, 
That's how we quench Satan's flaming arrows. Now, there are many fiery darts that Satan hurls at us, but one of those is his darts of tempting us to doubt God's goodness when we're going through a serious trial, especially in a marriage. So if you are being tempted with doubts concerning God's love and his concern for you because your marriage is just so difficult, then you have to take up that shield of faith. You need to trust what you know to be true about God. You may be confused. You may not be able to think clearly, but you need to trust what you do know about God, that he does love you and that he does care about you. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Now, let me just show you something. In the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament, Habakkuk was a prophet who was disturbed. When the book opens up, he's really confused. Israel has rebelled against God. They have disregarded the laws of God. And God has just revealed that he's going to punish Israel by bringing the Babylonians to destroy them. And Habakkuk is puzzled. How could this be? How could it be? Yes, we've rebelled against you, but the Babylonians, they're so much more wicked than us. How could you use them when they're wicked to punish us? Yes, when we're wicked. He's confused. He doesn't understand. He's questioning God. But in the midst of all of this, he gives us a great example. He affirms what he knows to be true, even though he doesn't understand it all. He affirms what he knows to be true about God. Notice verse 12. In the midst of saying, I don't understand, I don't know what's going on, he says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? He affirms that God is holy, that God is righteous, that he never makes a mistake, that God knows what he's doing. You jump down to verse 13. He says, your eyes are too pure to approve evil. You cannot look upon wickedness with favor. Habakkuk affirms the truth that he does know about God. Folks, that's what you have to do. When you're struggling in your marriage, why am I married to this person? Why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't she care about me? Why, 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 why? You have to affirm God is good. God is righteous. You have to affirm that Romans 8.28 is true. All things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose because his purpose is to make you more like Christ. You have to affirm that as for God, his way is perfect. You have to affirm that he himself is perfect. That's what you have to affirm. What you know to be true, not staying and, and struggling with what you don't understand about God. What do you understand about God? I love what Spurgeon said when we cannot understand the hand of God, we can trust the heart of God. But that's not what Eve did. She entertained Satan's doubt about God's goodness by engaging him in a conversation, a dialogue. And look where it led. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Now, this statement by the serpent is his response to Eve, having just told him that God has declared that if she or Adam ate from the tree in the middle of the garden, they would die. But he says, no, no, you won't. You won't die if you eat from this tree. It's a lie. God is not telling you the truth. 
Listen, Satan is emphatic about this denial of the truth because in the original Hebrew text, the thought here is you will positively not die. It's not going to happen. Now, this is an outright denial by Satan of the word of God. This is an outright lie by the person Jesus said is the father of lies. But you see, this is his pattern. Having already cast doubt on God's character by asking Eve, has God really said something that unreasonable as forbidding you to eat from all the trees? Now the devil goes for the kill and he denies God's integrity. He denies it by saying that his word, it's just not true. I don't care what he told you. That's not happening. That's not true. But the devil takes it a step further. More than deny the truthfulness of God's word, he now proceeds to explain to Eve why God would lie to her and Adam by impugning God's motives as sinful. Notice verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. With these words, Satan is accusing the Lord of being petty, sinfully jealous, small-minded. In effect, what he's saying is this. The real reason, Eve, that God told you and Adam not to eat from this particular tree is because he doesn't want you to be like he is. He doesn't want your eyes open to all the wisdom and knowledge that he has. He wants to keep this knowledge to himself. He is a petty God. He wants to keep you ignorant so that you don't become enlightened about good and evil like he is. He is holding you back. Can't you see that? Listen, this is the very crux of Satan's temptation to Eve. And this is the heart of every temptation he he throws at us today. Every temptation to sin in one way or another is really a temptation for us to want to be like God by being just as enlightened as he is. Now, why would Satan do that? Why would he tempt us along these lines? Listen closely. If Satan can convince you that you can be like God in terms of enlightenment and your knowledge, then you really don't need God anymore. What do you need him for? If you think that you can be like God by acquiring information and knowledge, then you don't need him or his word because you have replaced God and his word with your enlightened mind. Frankly, this is the philosophy of the world that we live in today. It's a world that relies upon its knowledge that's acquired through education and information and resources and science. Therefore, it has no need for God. We've got the answers. On a personal level, once you have bought into this lie, you are going to sin because your thinking rather than scripture becomes your final authority. And it's the standard by which you make decisions. You see, Eve should have been content with what she knew, what God had had told her. She had all the knowledge that she needed, all the knowledge God wanted her to have at this point in time. But she didn't feel that that was enough for her. So she's about to reject God's word to her in seeking to acquire more knowledge. And in doing so, she is left to her own thoughts. And so she makes a decision based on what she thinks is right. This is the most significant decision that Eve will ever make. And tragically, she bases it on her feelings rather than God's revelation. Notice verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. Stop there. 
Uh, This is where temptation turns into sin. Temptation is not sin. It's when you give into temptation that it becomes sin. But this is where she gave into temptation. Turns to sin. Instead of making a decision based on the objective truth of God's word, Eve went with her heart. She went with her feelings. As we say, she went with her guts. And they were wrong. Dead wrong. The tree was good to eat, so it appealed to her physical appetite. It's her feelings. The tree looked good. It was a delight to her eyes, so it appealed to her emotions. The tree was desirable to make one wise because she wanted to gain knowledge and be like God, so it appealed to her mind and to her pride. So we read at the end of verse 6 that she took from its fruit and ate. And then tragically, she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. This is just one small Very brief statement in the Bible, but it is a statement of colossal importance because from this point on, life will never be the same for Adam and Eve or for any of us as their descendants. Sin has now entered the human race and it will start to pollute and corrupt everything, including and especially the highest of all human relationships, marriage. And in our study next week, we're going to see how sin and the fall of man affected Adam and Eve's relationship and how it ultimately affects the relationship of every married couple today. But for today, we want to consider the heart of Adam and Eve's sin because, folks, it's the heart of of our sin as well. Although the Bible says that Eve was tempted by the devil to sin, thinking that she could be like God, I want you to know that was not the case with Adam. Adam came to sin a different way, but he came to the same sin. Adam was not deceived. Eve was. In fact, Paul makes that clear in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Adam was not deceived. Eve was. Adam didn't fall for that devilish line. That wasn't the case. Now, Adam wasn't deceived by Satan. He knew exactly what he was doing. Eve was deceived. Adam followed his wife's leadership into sin by eating the forbidden fruit in an act of deliberate and willful rebellion. In other words, he wasn't deceived. He was just defiant to his creator. That's all. But regardless of how Adam and Eve came to the point where they sinned, they both sinned for exactly the same reason. And it is the very reason why we continue to sin today and why so many marriages are in trouble. It's because like Adam and Eve, we make ourselves the center of our universe so that the only thing that's really important to us is doing what we think will benefit us. We lean on our own understanding. So rather than obeying scripture, we do what feels good to us, what seems right in our own eyes, what we think is right. And that's what gets us in so much trouble, especially in our relationship with our spouse. In other words, we go with our hearts rather than with scripture. Listen to these insightful words by one author. As he writes about the root problem in all marriage relationships, he says, this is the essence of sin, the replacement of God with myself. The root of sin is self-centeredness and the root of conflict in marriage is the same. It takes an infinite variety of forms from the militant, I'll do it my way to the pathetic, look how I'm hurting. But the cause is the same, God has been unseated and replaced on his throne. This morning, 
I want you to examine whether you have unseated God, whether you have replaced God on his throne by doing things your way in your marriage or in any other way of life. See, if you claim that Christ is your Savior and Lord, then make sure you are submitted to his lordship by submitting to his word. Don't deviate from the word of God. So I call you today to go back to the word of God. What we've been studying in Genesis 2, that's where your marriage should be, not Genesis 3. These are the biblical principles of marriage, what we've talked about, companionship. And a spouse, your wife being a strong helper, best friends for life, the priority of relationship, one who's, who's perfectly suited to help you. All of that, leaving mom and dad, making sure children are not the focus of your life or grandchildren or your job or anything, it's your spouse. That, that's what you want to base your, your marriage on, not doing it my way, basing it on my gut feelings Let the word be your authority, not your feelings. If you've deviated from the word of God, the good news is you can always get back to it. Go back today. Don't let your hearts harden by not doing anything today. It'll harden by tomorrow if you don't act on it today. Now, if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, then I urge you to come to him for salvation by turning from your sin of running your life. That is the essence of sin. You being the center of of your world, turn to Christ to save you, to be your Lord. Otherwise, there's no hope, not only for your marriage, but for your soul. The only way you can go to heaven is by being forgiven. The only way you can be forgiven is to come to Christ for salvation. He died for sinners just like you. And when he died, God the Father poured out his wrath on his own son so that as you trust him for salvation, he can completely forgive you because sin has been paid for. It's been dealt with. God in his justice has dealt with it. And in his love, he offers salvation to you. So in the name of Christ as his ambassador to you this morning, I urge you, be reconciled to God. Come to him before it's too late. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for Genesis chapters 2 and 3. Now we know what the problem is. Lord, we've met the enemy and the enemy is us. We're the ones who give in to temptation. We're the ones who have replaced you with our own thoughts, our own thinking, doing what we think is right. I pray for everyone who takes the name of Christ, who's hearing this message to go back to the word of God, to get things straightened out, to repent, to make changes, to make sure that they're not doing what's right in their own eyes, not listening to the world's philosophy of marriage, but centering their relationship on Christ and his precious word. And I pray for those who may not know you, Lord. I pray that you will open their eyes to the gospel, open their hearts to salvation, and that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, we pray all of this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. If you haven't yet trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope you'll do that today. Waiting only robs us of the blessings of a personal relationship with Jesus not to mention the risk of never having another opportunity. If you want to know more about how you can know if you have eternal life, I'll have a phone number for you in a moment. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to know more about Lakeside or have questions about your salvation, call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. 
You can also call Lakeside if you'd like to ask for a free audio CD with the entire three-part message Pastor Steve just finished. Get yours by calling Lakeside at 727-441-1714 and ask for message 8874, Marriage and the Fall, Part 1. If you missed that phone number, it's available along with other helpful information at Lakeside's website, lakesidechapel.com. The audio of today's broadcast, along with all of our previous programs, is available on the Message Archive page at our website, firstbyverseradio.org. There's no charge for streaming or downloading these files. In fact, we even have a podcasting service on the website for your convenience. There's also a giving page where we make it easy and safe to give online if you'd like to help with the cost of producing and airing Verse by Verse. We're deeply grateful for the generous listeners who help us keep providing these practical Bible studies. That's at versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. One day when I was in high school, someone put a paper cup full of water upside down in the doorway to our physics classroom after all the students had entered but before the teacher came in. Mr. K wasn't fooled and just walked around it. He never said a word about it. Oh, wow. Did that ever backfire? Or did it? A minute later, another teacher came to the door, looked at the cup, and kicked it across the room. That was priceless. We all love a good harmless trick. But the trick Satan played on Eve was anything but harmless. Next time on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will consider Satan's primary tactic in getting us to sin. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.